Freakers, Tweakers, Thrill Freakin' Seekers, welcome back to another great freaking hilarious freaking episode of Freakin' Our Week in Review on W-A-Y-O-L-P, Freakin' Rochester, also on Freakin' Apple Freakin' Podcasts, Google Freakin' Pray, and Freakin' SoundCloud if anybody freaking wants to know. Weakers, tweakers, thrill seekers, my name is Taylor the Sandman Freakin' Lofton, and joining me as always to my freaking left via satellite freaking New York is freaking Doug Jordan. And then coming all the way from a sex dungeon, a self freaking prostitution, house of freaking self prostitution, if anybody wants to know, we have freaking Tadia Risher bringing up the freaking we're here. Weakers, tweakers, thrill seekers, and the freaking panel, start your freaking engines. This is our week in freaking review. Weakers, tweakers, thrill seekers, it has been one week since we last spoke. And geez Louise, down on my knees, we're so freaking hot and for you. It is at level 10. And judging from a look around the room, geez Louise, down on my knees, Doug Jordan, Tadia are feeling just as I am. Now you will note Sandy the Sandman freaking Farkas is not here. He is missing an accent, but he is not missing far because we know exactly where he is. He's at Doug Jordan's. And he is on to week two, straight, no sleep, drunk as the freaking Dickens, working on some sort of project, something that metastasized in a dream, came to him. A man with a long white beard and a long white robe that carried a scepter came to him in his sleep and said, if you build it, they will come. And then when he freaking came to, geez Louise, down my freaking knees, he had to freaking carry out that vision and nobody knows what he's building. Doug Jordan, can you clue us in what does the freaking beast that Sandy is building out of many different materials look like, and what can we look forward to it becoming? Uh, yeah, when I look at it, you know, I try to at least pull some sort of semblance of what it could possibly be. You know, is it a building? Is it uh, maybe a boat? Maybe a, some sort of a vehicle? Uh, but really, honestly, when I look at it, it just kind of looks like a pile of garbage. So I, I can't really tell what's, what's freaking going on here. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right. It might be a freaking arc. And maybe Sandy is readying himself for the flood that we've all been waiting for. And how about we do this real quick before we get on to how everybody's doing and how they are. If you had five things you could bring with you on a freaking arc, person, places, or things, what would you bring, Doug Jordan? The floor is yours. Okay, uh, you're kind of putting me on the spot. Uh I didn't have enough time to really think about this, but uh, uh, maybe a, a grill. Probably I'd bring a grill. Uh, the TV. Yeah. Uh, I, I could probably build a couch. So I'm not going to bring a couch. Uh, bring uh, my well, wife the, and my kid. So that the, counts as two. Yeah, so the you're question, t- you got one more thing. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just about to yell at Doug because the question is, what wouldn't you bring? But go ahead, Doug. Finish up. Floor is yours. Uh, I would also bring uh, maybe a book to read yeah i get lonely what book um maybe a porno maybe maybe harry potter one of the harry potter books the sorcerer's stone yeah 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 maybe the sorcerer's stone and tadia freaking risher what wouldn't you bring okay well this is an easy decision for me what i would bring is a box of condoms my freaking webcam a bunch of weed some freaking sex toys and um the sorcerer's stone yeah yeah. And I would bring freaking our week's studio with us. 
and I would bring freaking Sandy the Sandman Farkas and freaking Tadia freaking Risher and freaking Doug Jordan and Doug's wife and Soonjay and freaking Doug Jr. and freaking Stu Gotts in the barbecue and Jeez Louise down on my knees. Maybe a whole freaking list of books and a campfire so that we could sit around reading with marshmallows, marshmallows and chocolate and freaking graham crackers. Have ourselves a freaking s'more and it wouldn't even be on a boat. It would be in Doug's backyard and it would be paradise. Who cares if there's a flood if everybody you love is with you? God bless you guys. I love you all. And I love Sandy Farkas. And Sandy, if you're out there, please take a break. You're wearing yourself freaking thin. Doug Jordan, how you doing? How you been? And how freaking are you? Uh, yeah, I'm not yet. Wish you'd stop asking me that every yeah. every single yeah. show, every single week. Uh, I'm doing okay. We just got back from uh, from. We took a vacation. Uh, we went to uh, the, over to the Adirondacks, camped out for a couple days. Me and uh, my wife and my son. You know, I, I had to just get away, get away from it all, and uh, take a step back and, and just be around nature and not not be in the, in the regular uh, drivel and drab of my life. Uh, so I just had to get out, and uh, and it was good. And now I feel recharged and rest and rested and relaxed, and I'm ready to ready to face the world. Doug Jordan needed a desperate vacation. For weakers and tweakers out there who might not remember, we buried his poor old grandfather not more than a month ago. And unfortunately, after that, we had to dig up the poor old man because I removed what turned out to be a freaking purple heart from the lapel of his suit jacket. Doug Jordan was quite freaking perturbed by having to dig up the old man and then reinter him. And all it took was a little vacation up to the freaking great cold north freaking Adirondacks, a little swimming. I imagine you did some freaking fishing, and maybe I can't. What else do you do? Marshmallows around a campfire. Yeah, there was definitely marshmallows, and uh, we'd make the s'mores, uh, a couple cans of baked beans, uh, some hot dogs, uh, a couple burgers some days, uh, you know, bags of chips. We had a bunch of bags of chips with us. Uh, saw, we saw a bear. Uh, saw a couple of raccoons, uh, you know, just a normal, normal camp out in, in nature. And let me ask you something. I imagine you were camping in a tent or a camper. Yeah, it was a tent. Now it's you, your wife, your son. Do you make love to your wife while your son sleeps? Well, he actually he had a from separate you. tent. So he had a small little one person tent. And then we had, we had a, a two person tent for the, for the both of us. God bless you. Maybe work on Doug Jr. Uh, Jr. The Doug Jr. The third, as they say. God bless you. Now, you were able to forget about your grandfather once and for all, and God bless you on that for freaking factor, something we've all been waiting for, because this uh, this grief, tragedy that you have been befallen has gone on way too long, and I'm so glad that you finally took charge and forgot about the poor old bastard. Put him behind you. God bless you on that accord. Well, I didn't really forget about him. I, you know, I'm always going to remember my grandfather, but I, I went through the grieving process. So I'm just personally glad that we can put Doug's dead freaking grandfather finally behind us. Because honestly, Doug, this whole thing's been wearing thin on the entire show, and I think yeah. it shows. Yeah, I imagine. Think of it as uh, the highway metaphor. Your grandfather at one point was leading you on the highway, and you were following him in a red race car behind him. And you were chugging, chugging along. And at one point, he starts to slow down and you start to pick up and you pass him. And now you see him and you're waving to him as you're, as you're passing him. And then he's in your rear view mirror. And then at one point, he falls behind. Maybe a wheel falls off and you got to put a spare on. Or he runs out of gas and you fill him up. 
But eventually, you're just wearing yourself freaking thin, giving him all your freaking free time and your freaking spare tires and your freaking gasoline. And eventually, what you need to do is pour gas, the whatever gasoline you have left over, all over the freaking car that is your grandfather and light it ablaze and watch it go into that cold, dark night. And God bless you for finally doing it. Well, I didn't kill my grandfather. I just want to make that clear to everybody out there. Jury is still out. Now, let's see. Freaking Tadia Richer, how you doing? How you been? And how freaking are you? Uh, you know, doing pretty good. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm freaking horny as ever, obviously. Probably <laughs> than Doug Jordan, but I'm not going to speculate yeah. on that. Unless Doug wants to weigh in. Yeah, no. Okay, so I'm, I'm not here than Doug. But anyway, it's been a crazy week. Um, obviously, still doing a lot of classes online at, at the University of freaking Phoenix. Um, but Uyghurs and Tweakers who listened last week know that we had a freaking pregnancy scare. And I just decided that, you know, if we ever happen to have that again at the house, I need to be prepared. So I set up a freaking daycare room in one of the model's rooms. Yeah. He sleeps on the couch now, and the room is just dedicated to, you know, a potential child coming into our home. It's full of toys and a rocking chair and a crib, and it's painted with all these beautiful uh, murals of things that are aesthetically pleasing to children. That's that's beautiful. I imagine a yeah. mobile above the crib that, that's right. that sort of taunts the child as it's trying to sleep. That's right. It makes the child look real stupid. And it's just, it's been really fabulous. It's been a nice change of pace from the sex dungeon vibe that we have going on in the house. Even though, and this may come as uh, a shock to some of our Uyghurs and Tweakers, it's now the most popular theme in our sex shows is the freaking daycare. Yeah. Yeah. So when, uh, when you, what you're saying is when, when you actually film a session with a client, you are in the daycare, maybe correct. with a diaper on, maybe pooping yourself and then changing your own diaper and then playing with yourself. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. Spot on. That's exactly what's going on. It's crazy. That's freaking, that's absolutely freaking hilarious. Yeah. So we're making a lot of money, so I can't complain. And uh, honestly, at this point, I, I hope a kid doesn't freaking show up because having too much fun and making too much money pooping in the daycare room. Yeah. It sort of throw a freaking wrench in the spokes, so to speak. Yeah. 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 Well, geez, Louise, God bless you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do and the strides that you make in your own life. We're always so freaking proud of you. And geez, Louise, down on my knees, I had a freaking heck of a week. And Weakers and Tweakers know that I have been dealing with some strange feelings ever since the exhuming of the body of Doug's grandfather. While spending time in the freaking cemetery, I started having absolutely ridiculous freaking feelings. And I believe at this point I may have had an old woman somehow fly from a grave, from a tomb into my brain. And I am living with two people inhabiting my body and my mind. And Jesus Louise down on my knees. I thought it would be a difficult endeavor. I'm getting used to it. You know, only thing is now I'm basically eating for two. I eat lunch and then I go, well, it's time for second lunch. And the second lunch always, it's always something like scones. I want scones or I want some sort of like a half a sandwich and soup. And normally I would just for my second lunch have a full sandwich and soup and, and maybe another piece of soup and sandwich until everything's gone. And now I want a scone or a crumpet or some cookies and tea. It's very unusual and it almost feels like I'm pregnant. Like, I, I, I know what it's like to be uh, both a father and a mother that has an old lady living in their brain, and they're trying to juggle all of that at freaking once. And I'm absolutely starving. 
But she's always down on my knees. I digress. I will get through this. I have made mention of it when the doctor visits at the group home. And he says, Taylor, you know you have problems with lying. And I say, I never told a lie in my freaking life. And he says, you have a problem with both lying and reality. And then I say, well, why don't you go to hell and I'll freaking see you there. And then he ups my dose of lorazepam and I, you know, God bless him. He can try to give me as much as he wants. He can't make me swallow the pills. I spit him out. Now, Doug Jordan, I want to know, I haven't been to the dentist in many a year, and I haven't been to a child's pediatrician doctor in many a year either, but when I was a child, they had these absolutely freaking hilarious toys that I was thinking about, these beaded toys that you would almost move around on a jungle gym, a piece of wire, colored wire with different color beads, and they would twist and twine their tendrils around in different areas. Do they still have these toys when you go to a pediatrician? Uh, yeah, those are still in the waiting room, and they've been in the waiting room since probably 1973. Now, you got to think those collect quite a bit of urine and feces. I mean, is this the racket that the doctors are, are running? They say, oh, bring your child in for a quick checkup. Play with this toy. Guess what? All the sick kids have been playing with it. Now they get sick, and uh, geez Louise, down on my knees, another hospital bill for you. Did I just figure that out, Doug? You know that's a good a good point. You know, are they disinfecting that that toy every single time a, a kid waits in the waiting room, or you know, because the kids are going and they're freaking sick all the time. Yeah. Chances are another kid's picking it up, getting sick off of whatever the first kid had in the freaking waiting room. Yeah, they're not cleaning that thing. That's their freaking bread and butter right there. That's what yeah, they that's, they bank on that. So you think they planted it there on purpose to try and get kids sick so they get more freaking money? Yeah, they they probably treat it like a well seasoned freaking cast iron pot. You never want to touch soap to that thing. It's just getting good. It's just getting the infection on it. Little kids putting their mouths all over it, and then another kid freaking pees on it, and the other kid's already got poopy fingers, so he's freaking touching it and getting his feces matter all over it. Parasites and whatnot, tapeworms. I mean, kids are crawling with disease. They're basically like the rats of the human. I mean, yeah, they're, they're pretty, I don't, I don't if, in fact, that next time I go to the pediatrician to take my son, I'm not going to let him touch it. Yeah, probably a wise choice. What are those things even called? Pediatricians? It's called a doctor's office. No, 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 the, the, the thing with the ball and the, and the wire. Anybody know? Tady, fact, fact check, please, please. Well, geez, Louise, Donamanese, Weakers, Tweakers, Thrill Seekers, we got a great freaking show for you, full of freaking news, views, discussions. But before we get into that, we have to tell you that you can join in the conversation by calling 513-914-6201. That's the R Week hotline. You can tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. You'll definitely get put on blast. But you also might get a prize or two. Tadia, the information? Hey, uh, I'm seeing bead maze. Bead maze. I call them freaking pieces of freaking disease. This one's also uh, calls it a roller coaster. <laughs> well, geez, Louise, weakers, tweakers, thrill seekers. Without further freaking ado, our week's news and discussions starts freaking now. Last week, Simon Cowell broke his back after falling off an electric bicycle, according to The Guardian. The 60-year-old music mogul is reportedly doing fine, according to his publicist. Quote, Simon had a fall from his bike testing his new electric bike in a courtyard at his house in Malibu with his family, the publicist says. He has broken his back and is having surgery this evening. The celebrity judge had been seen on several bike rides earlier in the year and has been notably trying to stay more active after falling down the stairs in October 2017. 
Cowell attributed the 2017 fall to low blood pressure and, quote, vampire lifestyle. According to Cowell's publicist, the music tycoon is, quote, doing fine after the injury. So, geez louise, down to my knees. This guy is old, decrepit, and they say he's trying to freaking get into shape, but he's riding an electric bicycle. Tadia, what's that all about? You know, I don't know. And shame on him for always yelling at people for freaking taking shortcuts and being terrible. But he freaking has to go on an electric freaking bike just to, just to get some freaking exercise. Yeah. I don't like this path that he's going down. And it's a good thing that he finally fell off his freaking bike. Maybe this will put him into gear because honestly, if he's just going to continue to ride an electric bike, he's just going to go the way of freaking James Corden and Jonah Hill yeah. and just be freaking the next biggest fat celebrity. Yeah. And that might be his next show. To be perfectly honest with you, he did the X Factor. Now he's on The Voice or America's Got Talent. His next show, The Biggest Fat Celebrity, where they get voted off for being too thin. Rosie O'Donnell doesn't last a week, and he's a judge. Now, Doug Jordan, how much would you like to see him in maybe a power scooter or a power chair for mobility impairment? I mean, I was just thinking, if you're going to ride an electric bike, why not just get a motorcycle? You know, basically, if you're riding an electric bike, you're, you're one step away from a power scooter or a power chair is what you're saying. Yeah. Guys, you just get a freaking motorcycle. But now he's going to be in a scooter forever. Yeah. Now get used to him basically being freaking Stephen Hawking, blowing into a little tube trying to get up a hill. He doesn't have the lung capacity. I don't know why they did that. That was a cruel joke to play on Stephen Hawking, making him use his, his lungs to freaking power the chair when he's clearly freaking not capable of doing so. Can you imagine freaking him criticizing singers using the Stephen Hawking voice? Yeah, the little touch-tone dial pad. That was a terrible song. Absolutely freaking hilarious. Well, God bless you, Simon Cowell, and geez louise, we're all hoping for a freaking speed re recovery because you are the heart and soul of those shows. Now, last week, Daniel Day Kim started a fundraiser to get fellow actor James Hong a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, according to Entertainment Weekly. Kim, who recently overcame about with COVID-19, started a GoFundMe campaign with a goal of $55,000 for Hong's star on the Walk of Fame. As of the date of pu this publication, the fundraiser had been closed as the goal had been met. The former Lost actor referred to Hong as, quote, the most prolific actor in Hollywood history, with 672 credits to his name. Some of Hong's famous roles include Blade Runner, Chinatown, Big Trouble in Little China, and Seinfeld. According to Kim, Hong's achievement go beyond that of an ordinary working actor. Quote, Hong also served the Asian American community by co-creating the legendary East-West Players Theater Company with fellow pioneers like Mako and Nobu McCarthy, Kim wrote. Hong turned 91 in February. So, geez louise, Doug Jordan, do you know who this actor is? Uh, yeah, I was actually just uh, Googling him just so I can get a look at his face. But yes, I am very familiar with this actor. Uh, he's very freaking funny, very hilarious, always freaking great in any movie that he's in. Uh, he should, if he doesn't have a Hollywood star, he definitely should freaking have one yeah, by now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's in, in Seinfeld. He plays the Chinese restaurant owner or host when they never get a freaking table. They're waiting the whole episode. I'm just waiting to watch Elaine eat and she's starved to death. And I say, why can't we just watch an episode where she just eats? I want to see the poor woman eat and God bless her. And geez Louise down on my knees. She never does. She maybe steals a bite of an egg roll off somebody's freaking table, but 
she does not have a full meal. Yeah, not, none of them eat because they're waiting. For, I mean, the spoiler alert, that they, they were saying the name wrong the whole time. He yeah. was just saying the name wrong. They didn't recognize it, so they left. Cartwright instead of and Costanza. Costanza. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's also hilarious. In, freaking episode. Absolutely freaking hilarious. He's also good in freaking Big Trouble. There's freaking. I don't remember the name. I was gonna try to say a name, but it would just end up being an offensive thing if I came up with a name that sounded like a Chinese name and it had nothing to do with it. I, I was gonna say Dung Lao to be honest with you, but I, I don't think that's his name. Yeah, no, it's definitely not Dung Lao. Well, either way, he's scary as the Dickens and absolutely hilarious in that freaking movie. And Jeeves Louise, down on my knees, uh, Tadia Risher, I want to poise this to you. When is Mako and Nobu McCarthy gonna see the, their freaking day on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Because I've been waiting a long time for both of these guys and one of them's not even a guy i don't think might be a girl or the third thing and god bless him well i uh i hate to say it but i don't think they'll uh i don't think they'll ever make it to the hollywood freaking stage it's and that's that's a sad fact yeah so but, i didn't so but yeah or uh or the walk of fame what was the question i am a big fan of nobu mccarthy and all of their work in all of their famous movies. Doug Jordan, why don't you tell us your favorite Nobu McCarthy role? Or Manko at that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know their names off the top of my head, to be completely honest. Uh, chances are I've probably seen them in a movie, and I probably love it. Yeah, I saw um, I'm pretty sure Manko is in the movie Jaws. 1972, Steven Spielberg. That's very possible. Plays the shark. Doug, what's your favorite Nobu McCarthy movie? I, I, like I said, I haven't seen any of them, so I, I don't know. Does any, I mean, you're the fact checker. Why don't you tell us movies that he's been in? <sighs> There's too many to name. Yeah, to be perfectly honest with you. Last week, the National Park Service released a public service announcement warning park goers not to sacrifice friends when coming in contact with a bear, according to The Guardian. The PSA posted on the service's Facebook page warned against pushing down a slower friend, quote, even if you think the friendship has run its course. While bear attacks are uncommon, Yellowstone National Park has seen a recent spike in cases as parkgoers flock to the outdoors during the COVID-19 pandemic. National Park Services advise that people hold their ground and use their voice to identify themselves during a bear encounter. So, geez louise, down on my knees. It, and I was thinking, who here at the Our Week family would be the one to get sacrificed if we ever were on a group radio show hike? and encountered a grizzly, or a black bear, or a panda bear, or any sort of wilderness monster in the bear family, or a gorilla, or a giraffe with big fangs, or a giant snake like an anaconda, but that had legs so it could run, or even a pterodactyl from the prehistoric period, or a freaking T-Rexaurus, and maybe even a Dinosaurus Rex. I just want a question. I want to clarify. Uh, when we talk about our week, are we talking about you, me, Tadia, and Sandy? Or are we talking the extended family as well, meaning like Stu Gotts, Arnold, Little Larry, Soon Jay? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to. My t- wife and my child. I'm going to go ahead and say yes, the extended family. And I'm also going to say no, Little Larry is not an option that would never satiate a freaking bear's hunger. That would be a light snack that would only whet his appetite for more and and get the taste of human blood on his tongue. So it's a nice thought because obviously we would all like to throw Little Larry to the belly of the beast, but it's not going to work. So excluding Little Larry, those that you have mentioned, pick the person that would be best to sacrifice. Uh, Stu Gatz. 
Well, Stugatz is absolutely hilarious. I think that he would have a, to, a funny arm to spin after the freaking episode of eating where without him, it wouldn't be worth it. So I'm going to go ahead and say Circle does not get the square on that one. How about Tadia freaking Risher? Who would uh, you sacrifice? I mean, it's an easy choice. Marvel freaking Givens, the bounty hunter, the fat freaking bounty hunter. Bear's going to be munching on him for months. Yeah, if they could catch him, because Marvel Givens is both very nimble and sneaky. I think, honestly, if Marvel Givens was there, who is the freaking hilarious freaking overweight bounty hunter that has was after freaking Doug Gordon at one point, I don't think we'd have a freaking bear to worry about. We'd have freaking Marvel Givens to worry about. We have, might have to sacrifice freaking a couple of us to freaking satiate Marvel Givens' appetite. And I'm going to go ahead and say the one that would be best sacrifice would be myself. In the encounter of a bear, lay me down on the ground, belly up. Say, swallow me whole, please. And then once he does, inside the belly of that freaking beast, I will go wild, clawing and gnawing at the inside of that stomach until I burst forth, dressed as the freaking bear because I have eaten out every other organ inside of its body. And now I am breathing through its lungs and seeing through its eyes and fingering with its claws and running on its paws and hands. And I become the freaking beast. And I protect all of you. I mean, so you think the bear's going to swallow you whole? Then chances are he's going to bite you and chew you up into little pieces. Would you reform somehow in his stomach and, and then and then eat him out? I mean, well, geez, well, I can't believe you took it there, Doug. Um, you said that you would eat your about way it. out. I would eat my freaking way out. And if it did decide to chew me up into small pieces, my only hope is that I would reconstitute in its belly and then claw from within and become half bear, half person, or just a normal person living in a bear suit, a hollowed out bear suit. Although I hope that my freaking, somehow my freaking, our rear ends lined up because after I eat the inside of that bear out, I am going to have to take a hefty freaking number two. You're in rare form today, Taylor. Last week, a British man who lost his penis to a severe blood infection made headlines after doctors built a new one off his arm, according to Fox News. Malcolm McDonald's penis fell off in 2014 after a blood infection turned to sepsis and caused his fingers, toes, and manhood to turn black. McDonald's testicles remained intact. Quote, Jimmy, as McDonald has named it, was reconstructed by Professor David Ralph at London University's College Hospital. Ralph, who is considered an expert in penile reconstruction, used tissue from McDonald's left arm to complete the surgery. The new member has been outfitted with a tube and pump to achieve mechanical erection. Surgery to attach the dangly Johnson to its rightful location has been delayed due to illness and the global pandemic. McDonald hopes to be complete sometime before the year's end. So, geez louise, down on my knees, this guy's got a arm, and God bless him. And I can only help but think that it would be beneficial to have it the other way around, in some situations. To have a third arm growing from the center of your instead of a growing from your arm. So, in this situation, I just want to clarify, in this scenario, the, there is a little arm that's coming out of a or is it a is it a full grown arm? It is a. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think maybe it's just a little hand growing off the top. Just a little withered so hand it, that kind of semi functions like that of a polio victim, someone who had childhood polio at birth or something like that. You know, sometimes the hand doesn't grow fully. It becomes like a mass of jelly. Or I had a friend's dad who had that problem, and one day. It was the most horrifying thing I had ever seen in my life. He 
called us into the living room and said, I'm making you guys lunch. Who wants a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And he had the bread already on the countertop and he was using his dead arm like a spatula, dipping it into the peanut butter and smearing it across the bread and then double dipping into the jelly and then smearing it onto the other side of the bread. And I almost lost my lunch that day. And I didn't say anything because I thought he was a veteran, but it turns out he wasn't. He it was because of childhood polio. God bless the old man. His arm looked like a freaking sack full of jelly. And I, every time I saw him, I had this terrible urge to feel it and squeeze it and squish it. But I held back that desire. Did you uh, eat the peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Of course I ate the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I told you, I thought the guy was a war veteran. I'm not going to disrespect him to his freaking face. So do you the think- bread was fine, right? It wasn't mangled or was it? it, just was a- ma- it was- everything was mangled. Honestly, you could have let a dog make that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It would have made less of a mess. And But he was, the thing is, he was committed to making that sandwich himself. And God bless him for that fortitude. And that's something that you can never take away from him. You might take the bones out of his shriveled arm and replace it with some sort of jelly. But you will never take away his sense of pride. Do you think they could grow a new freaking hand on his dangly Johnson? That's a good point. As I might say, if I can get a hold of him, I'll send him this article. Say so there's still hope. Last week, an Australian man visiting the Gipsoteca Museum in northern Italy broke the toes off a 200-year-old plaster cast model of Antonio Canova's statue of Paulina Bonaparte, according to CNN. The incident, which was caught on CCTV, occurred when the man jumped onto the base of the statue and inadvertently snapped three of the toes off the cast sculpture. According to the report, the man, whose name has not been released, was trying to get a photo opportunity with the 200-year-old art piece. President of the Antonio Canova Foundation, Vittorio Scabari, Scarberry, Scarb, it's, it's, when it's two consonants, S-G-A-R-B-I, Scarby, said the man must not go unpunished. The incident comes after a woman damaged two artworks while trying to take a selfie in a gallery in Russia in 2018. So, geez louise, down on my knees, these freaking photo opportunities need to stop. Because I see people doing it all the time to me. I got on the bus this morning to get out here to the R-Week studios. And a 13-year-old girl was secretly trying to take a picture of me. And I could hear the shutter click because she had not disabled that sound. And that's how I knew she was not checking her messages or looking up her freaking Twitter or Facebook. No, she was snapping a photo of me. And she wasn't even in the picture. What did, Can you describe what you were doing on the bus? Were you wearing anything? Were you maybe eating an egg salad sandwich? Uh... Was there any reason why she would be taking a picture of you other than you were just being yourself? Well, for one thing, I was making these ham and cheese roll-ups with mayo and mustard on the inside on the bus, which I make with the freaking ham that comes out of the package. You get it at 7-Eleven, and then the American cheese slices, singles they're called. I think because singles eat them, you know, when they're dating. So a good conversation piece. Oh, I got a roll-up. I'm sitting on a bus. How you doing? And then I take the mayo packets, and I squirt two of them into each roll-up, and then the mustard, two into each of those, and then roll it up like it's a cigar, and then chomp down. And sometimes, yes, it goops out the other end like a burrito in the car onto my lap. 
Also, I, I mentioned, in, and you might not remember, but I mentioned that my freaking hair. We had a shearing event. I was groomed at the freaking group home by a mentally ill freaking patient from another group home. And they hacked, they did a hack job on my head, so I look like a cartoon character. So, but other than that, I don't know what she was doing. If she just said, could you want to take a picture with me? I'd say, go ahead, sure, go ahead. Our week in review. Taylor, the same man Lofton. Now, I want to know, if you were to break off a piece of a sculpture, Tadia freaking Risher, what piece would you like to freaking break off? And what would you do with said piece once it was removed? Now, I know what everybody's thinking. Doug, I can see what you're thinking right in your eyes. Oh, Tadia is going to break off the freaking wingly dingly and freaking keep that and play with it and use it in a sex show and and freaking, you know, throw it at other people while they're sleeping. And let me tell you something, Doug. You're 100% right. That's absolutely what I would freaking do. I would break off an ancient freaking peony and I would freaking play with it and I would do shows with it. And let's say somebody falls asleep on the couch during a party at one of your household events. Mm -hmm. So what you're going to do is you're just going to lightly open up their lips just just ever so slightly. And you're going to freaking stick that little ancient uh, marble member. Thank you. You're going to stick that little ancient marble member in there. And then you're going to take freaking photos of it. You're going to post it on Facebook and you're going to send it to their supervisor at work. Absolutely freaking hilarious. Hilarious freaking prank. Yeah. And geez, Louise, down on my knees. They don't make sculptures the way that they used to a couple of hundred years ago. You know, you never see that anymore. I would like to see more of that, especially because in those sculptures, they were relatively small in stature. Yeah. Make me feel better about myself. Doug Jordan, care to comment? Are you talking about they should make more statues with tiny uh, schmeckles? Yeah, with little ones, little dangly Johnsons. Because now all the modern statues have big ones. Well, nowadays you make a statue and that's all it is. It's not even a person attached to it. It's just a giant Right. For everyone to see, say, it's honestly, it's tormenting and it is emasculating and it is terrifying. And it's really not fair when guys can freaking grow huge ones on their freaking arms now. Yeah. What are you supposed to do about it? I know. know. And this one was huge. I saw the picture. It's freaking massive. God bless him. Last week, a Los Angeles company made headlines after they released a phone booth-sized device that allows for life-size holograms to be beamed directly into the home, according to Reuters. The machine, produced by Portal, Inc., allows users to interface directly with holograms of other people. This pricey Zoom alternative comes with an initial price tag of $60,000. The company also says the device can be used to allow users to interact with recorded holograms of historical figures and friends and relatives that have died. So, jeez Louise, down on my knees. The future is now. Weakers, tweakers, thrill seekers, it is happening. A few years ago, freaking Tupac Shakur came back from the dead and danced at a, on a stage in front of millions. And then poof, he was gone. As fast as he came out, he was gone. And now you can have your own freaking hologram if you spend $60,000. And Doug Jordan, if you could speak to one person in history through this holo- magical hologram device, living or dead, Please don't say it would be your grandfather. Um, any person in history. Yeah. Living or dead. Uh, I don't know. That's a really tough question. Can you, can I skip and can we come back to me? Great radio doc. Yeah. We'll come back to you. I mean, you said living or dead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joey from friends. Yeah. It'd be hilarious. 
would be good. That's a good answer. Would you watch Die Hard with him? Because that's what he loved. Sitting on a couch and play couch games and watch Die Hard. Yeah, we watch Die Hard. We have a bunch of sandwiches. Uh, we talk about life of being an actor. You know, he would tell me about it and I'd say, oh, that, that sounds rough. You know, and then we talk about our roommates, Chandler and Phoebe and Monica, or our, our, our apartment mates, not our roommates. We live with Chandler. Uh, that's what I would do. I'd hang out with Joey. Let me ask you this. What happens if you can't get him to leave? He shows up and then he just won't leave. Now Joey freaking Tribbiani's living with you. I mean, then I would have a, 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 it'd be great. I'd have another roommate that I've got Sandy already. And that, that I would have Sandy and Joey. And do you think Sandy would be okay with that? He'd have to be. It's my freaking house. Sandy's not going to like it. Yeah. I don't think he's going to like that very much. Why wouldn't he like, who doesn't love Joey from friends? A lot of people don't love, like him. And I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure Sandy has specifically said that he doesn't like Joey from friends. Yeah. He's kind of the worst one next to Phoebe and the rest of them. You think yeah. you think Ross is better than freaking Joey? Yeah, Ross is better than Joey. He's a scientist. Knows about dinosaurs. Yeah. You think Chandler is better than freaking Joey? Yeah. I don't know about that. That's a good one. That's a good point. Tadia freaking Risher, uh, sure. living or dead? Who would you uh, return uh, using the hologram machine? Paul Giamatti, rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, I miss him so much. What would you ask him? What was it like to be a supporting role in Cinderella, man? Yeah. yeah. yeah that movie's kind of been forgotten about. Not by me. I watch it every other day. It sounds excessive and it doesn't sound true, but it's true. Yeah. Every other day yeah. I freaking pop in Cinderella, man. Story of Max Bear. It's freaking inspiring, Doug. Yeah, it's about boxing. For weekers and tweakers who haven't seen it, it's a movie about boxing. And guess what he wins at the end? Spoiler alert. Can I just, I, I just want to, uh, Paul Giamatti is still alive. He is not dead the freaking heck are you talking about doug he's dead no he's definitely still alive uh, i think he's still producing movies and he might be built to be in a movie coming out soon doug no he's dead i haven't seen him in a movie in years yeah he's not dead. since i think he's not, dead. not since cinderella man have i seen him in a movie it was his magnum opus doug we didn't really have any place to go after that freaking went the way of the dodo rope around his neck pants around his ankles yeah God bless he's like, i'm not i'm not doing better than cinderella man yeah cold dark night Doug now I would pick John Candy and I would ask him when he arrived and they'd probably need to push two of these machines together to get him in here and I would say to him I'd say John what was it like going down to Jamaica and finding those absolutely hilarious freaking runners and getting them up here to become bobsled people when they don't even have snow or ice or bobsleds at that how did you do it and when you won the Olympics, having been a big fat guy who could never fit in that freaking bobsled, what did that feel like? Was it almost disappointing? And also I'd ask about his final days, which I've talked to you about on the radio before. For those who don't know, John Candy's final day, his last meal was an extra large lasagna. And I'm talking, he put everything on these puppies. Five different types of cheese. He put freaking bologna. He put freaking salami. He put freaking meatballs and marinara. And he put extra cheese and a whole nother freaking lasagna right on top of this lasagna. That's why it was an extra large lasagna. And then he deep fried it and then put it in more cheese and rolled it in batter and deep fried it again. And I'll say, why'd you do it? Because you were at your peak. Was it because you had nowhere else to go from there? You had reached your magnum opus? It's a long journey to the top, weakers and tweakers. And the fall is swift and hard. 
Weakers, tweakers, thrill seekers, this has been another great freaking hilarious episode of freaking Our Week in Review. But before we leave you, we have to do one more segment. It's called Our Week's Sight Unseen. For weakers and tweakers not familiar, Sight Unseen is a segment where we take two movies that we haven't seen. We read the freaking synopses and we freaking put them head to head, tell you which one to see and which one not to go see. So without further freaking ado, Made in Italy 2020 is the first movie. In this heartwarming father-son tale, London-based bohemian artist Robert Liam Neeson returns to Tuscany with his estranged son, Jack Michael Richardson, to sell the villa they recently inherited from his late wife. When the two arrive, they find the once majestic home in shambles and attempt a do-it-yourself restoration that finds the father and son team at odds. With little restoration experience, Robert seeks the help of the no-nonsense expatriate Kate, played by Lindsay Duncan, while the project opens up memories of happier times for Jack. Soon Jack falls in love with the local Italian chef Natalia, played by Valerie Bielio, but her jealous ex-husband threatens the burgeoning relationship. The father-son endeavor proves strenuous as they not only mend their broken villa, but also their relationship. Directed by James Darcy, co-starring John Marco Tavinia, Helen Antonio, and Marco Quaglia as Luigi, and rated R for language. So, geez Louise down on my knees, this is a heartwarming tale of a father and son who were nearly ripped apart after the war, the Free Vietnam War. And they were fighting on opposing sides during the wars. That's where the tension began. Because you see, freaking Jeez Louise, Liam Neeson, yeah, well, he was fighting for the freaking Vietnam. Jeez Louise, down on my knees. Yep, you guessed it, his freaking son Jack was fighting as part of freaking Viet Cong. And you know what? His son, played by freaking Michael Richards, it's great to see Michael Richards back again. Last you saw him probably playing freaking Kramer and freaking Seinfeld. Now he's back doing a dramatic role, playing the son of freaking Liam Neeson. And I couldn't find a more fitting role. They're both tall. Now the war is over and they don't know what to do. They have to freaking rebuild a villa. A villa that during the war they had been sent to destroy. And neither of them even like Italian food. The, the, and you got to see the scene where freaking Liam Neeson first tries freaking spaghetti. And, he's try, and he doesn't know how to eat it. He's looking at it on the end of his fork, and it's all long and stringy. And he doesn't know how to put it in his freaking mouth. He's not sure if he should th- freaking throw it on the floor to the freaking dogs or freaking put it in his mouth and try to slurp it down. And it is a long scene, and eventually the freaking waiter comes out, freaking hilarious freaking tuxedo, and shows him to twirl it around a freaking spoon. El Dante, he says. That's Marco Quaglia as Luigi. Luigi is the waiter. Yeah, so the waiter is absolutely freaking hilarious. That's the best He's part. He's the breakout star. Breakout yeah. star of the film is, is Marco Quaglia as Luigi. And in real life, you don't find waiters popping in and out of your life very often. But in movies, they always seem to have a more significant role. And maybe that's because of the metaphor of the waiter. The man who waits hand and foot, dedicates his life to service. Much like... Jeez Louise, down on my knees, Michael Richards did with the Viet Cong. And, and also, freaking Liam Neeson is very upset because they freaking find out that the, the Viet Cong won the war. I just love how funny this freaking movie is up until the very end when freaking Michael Richards uh, goes to an Italian comedy club and he starts to bomb and he reacts in exactly the way you think he reacts. 
and he starts freaking calling out people, saying some things he's not supposed to be saying. It was a dark turn for the film, and it's funny, they didn't even shoot that. They just used the actual footage. It's a strange decision to put that in the film. Yeah, yeah. And if what you're looking for is truth, love, and maybe a little mercy, I think you'll find it in the movie Made in Italy. Until the end, where it just goes off the rails, and it becomes a movie about a comedian who is sick in his head and doesn't know when to not say the things that maybe he locked down deep in his heart long ago because that pain is still in there and he needs to learn how to freaking love again but he never will holding on to all that hurt doug jordan oh and then uh and freaking dunkirk shows up at the end but that's just brief because he because luigi dies spoiler alert luigi dies because he's He's actually, he's showing, because they don't know how to eat meatballs either in this. That's a big, big part. of uh, Eating is a big part of this freaking movie. Liam Neeson can't get his mouth around a meatball. He doesn't know that you're supposed to either cut it or just take a bite out of the ball. And it's absolutely hilarious when freaking Marco Quaglia as Luigi comes up to him and says, you got to abide the ball, abide the ball. And he bites it, but it's steaming freaking hot and it gets lodged in his throat. And he freaking chokes and dies in the middle of the restaurant. And the thing is, this is the premiere dinner at the opening of the art show where Liam Neeson is showcasing his post-Vietnam freaking art, Doug Jordan. And they need somebody to serve the guests. And that's when Dunkirk is seen peeking through that little glass hole in the freaking server's window on the swinging door. And he says, maybe I can be of some assistance. And then the Michael Richards thing happens and derails. But geez, Louise, I'm going to go ahead and give it three out of five. Don't miss it. Because you'll never see anything crazy like this again. Doug Jordan, your rating. Uh, give it a, a gold star. I, I would really like to watch this film. Tadia Risher, bringing up the rear. Yeah, on on the uh, patented Are We Color scale, uh, it gets an orange. Yeah. The last movie is The Willoughby's 2020. In this Canadian-American animated comedy, the four Willoughby children, including the eldest son, Tim, middle daughter, Jane, and the creepy twin boys, both named Barnaby, find an abandoned baby on their doorstep. Ordered by their parents to get rid of the infant, the Willoughby children leave the child on the doorstep of Melanoff's candy factory. The Willoughby children set out to rid themselves of their parents by sending them on a dangerous adventure vacation. Mr. and Mrs. Willoughby hire a new nanny who quickly wins the child's hearts, and soon the gang heads off to Melanoff's factory to retrieve the abandoned infant. Meanwhile, the Willoughby parents put their mansion up for sale, and orphan services threaten to split the siblings up once and for all. Directed by Chris Pern and starring Will Forte, Maya Rudolph, Alicia Cara, Terry Crews, and Ricky Gervais as the cat. Rated PG for blood. So, geez louise down on my knees, this is an absolutely freaking hilarious movie. If you like nonstop laughs, if you like pranks, if you like poop humor, if you like this, our week in review, you're probably going to like this movie, to be honest with you. Willoughby's. And it's very similar to something I, I dreamt once uh, about a candy factory. And at the end, there is a candy blimp. And they, uh, the whole family is on this candy blimp, save for the infant, who dies very early on in the movie. And kind of adds a dark cloud over the whole freaking thing and if, you, if anyone out there has seen the freaking explosion of the Hindenburg they'll know how this freaking movie ends and I don't want to spoil it for you but the giant candy freaking blimp goes up in flames and the only one left alive is Barnaby both of them 
and he's the one that killed the baby. Doug Jordan, what did you think of this film? Uh, it was very graphic, uh, especially the scene where the the children murder their parents. Uh, it's very graphic uh, and violent. Uh, it's not. Uh, f- I would definitely bring a bag uh, to uh, to throw up in because it was it wasn't uh, what I wanted to see. That's a good point, Doug. I'm glad you brought that up because I w- I forgot to mention the violence, the torture scenes of the parents, excessively gratuitous, vile, and at one point. I'm pretty sure they just cut a real snuff film right in there and let it play for two old people being murdered. Because I think it, I'm pretty sure it stops being a freaking animated feature. And I was sick to my stomach. Shame on you, uh, Willoughby's 2020. Tadia freaking Risher, what do you think of the freaking film? Well, um, I agree with you. The violence was a little gratuitous, um, but what really shocked me, and this is a tough thing to do given the content, but, but was when Ricky Gervais, the freaking cat, starts having sex with freaking Terry Crews and his character. And it's graphic, it's disturbing, it's violent, no, and no. really, really just kind of uncalled for. Yeah. Why did why did Terry Crews allow him to do that? And did they do they have to do the two voice voice actors actually act out the scenes that they're portraying to get the freaking real emotion behind the vocals? I mean, normally I would say that's something that you fake in an animated feature, but I I know the sounds of hard graphic sex, and I can tell you right now, there's no way Ricky Gervais and Terry Crews weren't freaking having sex during this scene. Yeah. And it's gross. I don't think it's appropriate for children. Um, that said, I freaking love the movie. Yeah, it's a great film. It's kind of like freaking The Incredibles or Up meets Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and The Toxic Avenger and a snuff film all rolled into one. It's disturbing and at the end it ends it's pretty beautiful freaking movie if you if you've asked me because the shot of the freaking hindenburg blowing up is like something you've never seen and it's been for don't forget the freaking zeppelin is made out of candy so it's much like a pinata going off because there's candy everywhere but it's it the candy is all freaking melted sugar so it hardens into sort of glass shards and falls in the eyes of the children thinking it's something shiny and sweet to eat doug jordan your rating uh, despite the violence and the children getting blown up with the glass shards, uh, I'm going to give it an A. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and give it another star and say it's equal to Made in Italy. If I had to pick, I'm going to go with the Willoughby's. So, yeah, Willoughby's is the one that anyone should see with a freaking heart like mine. Dunkirk ends up in it, too, because Sandy always says Dunkirk's in it. So Dunkirk shows up and he's a butler. What were you going to say, Doug Jordan? I would, I would pick uh, Made in Italy over the Willoughby's just because, uh, especially for Marco Queglia as, uh, as Luigi, breakout role. If he doesn't win a freaking Oscar, uh, I don't know who's going to get it. That's true. And you know what? What it really comes down to, and we'll get to your freaking rating, Tadia. What it really comes down to is do you like Italian food or candy? Because both movies got plenty of food. But if you're a candy eater, 
then candy is what you're going to want to watch. If you like freaking pasta, meatball, spaghetti, freaking ravioli, ditalini, if you like freaking beans and greens and sausage and sauce and meatballs and freaking salami and freaking capicoli and freaking brujol, then you're going to like freaking made in Italy. But if you like freaking sweet treats and gumdrop fairies freaking swirling above your head and freaking boysenberry gumdrops and freaking chocolate and freaking candy freaking giant zeppelins then then will be it for you teddy ridger uh c minus skip it i wouldn't see either movie can't recommend either of them god bless you weakers tweakers thrill seekers thank you so much for freaking listening this has been another freaking hilarious freaking episode of our week in review we love you so much we're so freaking hot for you and we'll see you freaking next week You got to get Sandy back, and you got to get him back fast. The guy is drowning in sweat and booze and hasn't slept for damn near two weeks. I don't know if he's eating anything. He's just burning the freaking alcohol within. He's like a combustion engine. Well, I mean, he's eating. I usually bring him out breakfast, and, and I'll bring him out dinner. Uh, I let him fend for himself at, at lunchtime, but... And I asked him if he wanted to do the show, and he just, he just kind of grunted a little bit. So, Well, are you bringing him booze, Doug? Because he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who functions without his freaking bottle of brown. Yeah. No, he, he supplies that himself, I'm pretty sure. Have you been getting it, or has he built a still? Maybe the thing that he's building is a freaking liquor still, and it's already functioning. Has he become a madman making, his own, making the own freaking brown that keeps that feeds him? A self-sustaining being. No reason to move away from it because everything he needs is right there. He's like he's like the flower and the bee, Doug. He's having sex uh, with his own yeah, work, he's Doug. Getting it from somewhere. He's getting it from. Did, can you say that again, Doug? Please. He's definitely getting it from somewhere. Getting what? The freaking the booze. The brown. <laughs>